This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, showers high near 57. Mostly cloudy tonight, slight chance of showers, low around 44. Mostly cloudy on Tuesday with a slight chance of showers in the afternoon, high near 58. A Broome County resident with a lengthy criminal history is to be sentenced to prison after he admitted he assaulted a New York State trooper. Prosecutors said Dylan Shoemaker of Shenango Forks fought with troopers who were investigating a domestic dispute on February 6th. The incident happened in a home on Perch Pond Road in Windsor. Police were trying to take Shoemaker into custody when he fought with troopers. He punched one trooper in the face. That trooper was cut by glass as he wrestled the man to the ground. The injured trooper was treated at a hospital and released. According to the Broome County District Attorney's Office, Shoemaker has pleaded guilty to second-degree assault. Under the plea agreement, he is expected to be sentenced to 12 years to life in state prison. In the month of September, members from Troop C removed 53 impaired drivers off New York State roadways. One of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with him. Seven of those drivers had a BAC higher than 0.18%. Two of those drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years. And nine of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. Troop C of New York State Police encounters seven counties, which include Broome, Shenango, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins. A Binghamton man has been charged with unlawful fleeing, reckless driving, and more after recklessly on the, driving on the sidewalks of the city of Binghamton. On Friday, sheriff's deputies observed the operator of a black Yamaha motorcycle driving recklessly on the sidewalk and on the grounds of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School in the Robinson Street area of the city of Binghamton. Due to the reckless operation of the motorcycle, sheriff's road patrols attempted to initiate a traffic stop at which point the motorcycle sped away, ignoring stop signs and driving westbound onto oncoming traffic lanes on Court Street. The male operator of the motorcycle and his female passenger continued to attempt to evade law enforcement, crossing traffic lanes, down sidewalks, and through a fence on Howard Avenue near a pedestrian. A short time later, the motorcycle was found hidden behind a dumpster near 217 Robinson Street, and both the operator and passenger were located walking nearby. The operator of the motorcycle was taken into custody without incident and charged. A new variety shop has opened its doors at a location in Endicott that's been used by banks and clothing stores over the years. The store at 43 Washington Avenue is called Six Bros Shopping and Discount. The street-level portion of the building most recently had been used by M&T Bank. The owner said the business started operating this month. The 5,000-square-foot store stocks a wide variety of items, including household goods, hardware, and office supplies. The store's name is linked to the six brothers who are partners in the business. The online shopping will be available starting early next month. Free delivery will be offered for purchases over $50. 
The family operates three similar discount stores in the Bronx, along with a restaurant and two supermarkets. New York State police are uh, making the public aware of a phone and computer scam that is occurring in our area. New York State police are advising anyone who receives such a call to not provide any personal information. They say your personal information can be used to steal your identity and commit fraud. If you receive a phone from phone call from the Federal Trade Commission asking for money, do not provide any personal information, hang up, and attempt to contact the facility directly. Gas and construction trade groups are suing to block New York State's ban on gas stoves and furnaces in new buildings. The organizations argue the law violates the federal government's rules around how gas appliances are regulated. They filed the case against the state on Thursday in federal court. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat, this year approved the ban on the installation of fossil fuel equipment in new buildings. It's set to take effect in 2026 for structures of seven stories or less and in 2029 for larger buildings. The law would not apply to existing buildings. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now, Monday, October 16th, 2023. Truly live, truly local. Local calls, local topics, local guests. The Binghamton Now number is 607-772-1290. caller of the week who wants to bring up a fresh local topic stay tuned we're going to find out together I'm here till noon with your Binghamton Now program Soggy start to the new work week, but this is to be expected. It's part of the thrill of autumn in New York. Nice days and other days. This day will be at least uh, somewhat soggy for a bit. Looks like things will improve this afternoon. You have some drizzle and patchy fog right now, and things will pretty much dry out this afternoon with cloudy skies all day. Today's high 57. 
Let's take a call as we start things off on this Monday morning. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, John, John from, from Binghamton. Good morning. How you doing? A <laughs> um, couple of things. You know, it's that time of year when it starts getting darker. Uh, driving from uh, the university, you know, around the bend there from the parkway, 201, that'd be 201 what north. Uh, no lights are on. Oh, yeah. I have often remarked about this. And I I think the state legislature or the DOT or the governor or someone ought to uh, implement emergency action, a directive, whatever it takes, to order all municipalities to re-energize their lights. You know, New, well, York, New York State spends millions, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars on installing lights along Route 17 and 201 and so forth. And when municipalities, in many cases, that's not always the case. A lot of times the problem why these lights aren't on is because the municipalities don't want to spend the money to pay well, for uh, the, the power. Five, five or so years ago, I wrote a letter to the editor of the paper. It's it's very dangerous. Uh, now, if you're coming towards the Oakdale Common, there is some lights uh, uh, on the side. You, you round the bend. You go over the bridge. There's no lights on the bridge whatsoever. And then you go. Uh, there's lights on the circle, but then you start hitting more lights uh, on your way to the Oakdale Commons that, that are not on. Uh, these are out-of-town drivers. This was homecoming weekend. Uh, they're very aggressive, you know, Long Island-type Jersey drivers. They drive very fast. Uh, someone is going to get killed. Now, New York State, they have temporary lights. They have those solar-powered or generated-powered big lights that they use during construction. Uh, I, I don't know... Uh, why we elect these state representatives, like in Leparo's case, almost, well, you know, over 20 years in politics. I don't know how long she's been in assembly, woman, 18 years. And they can't get the basics done. Uh, you know, and, and we're told about image and how we have to have the image and how we have to have a good attitude. Well, turn on the damn street lights, especially this time of year. This, this is very dangerous, you know, I mean, to me. And it's it's something that's a, a, a true test of, of what are we paying our tax money for if we can't get the lights on. That's true. That's uh, true. But it's not a new problem. And clearly there's no political will to get it fixed. The well, reality well, is, John, most of the people, not necessarily on 201, but say most of the people passing through the Binghamton area on 17 or 81 in uh, several mile stretches, like say through the town of Vestal, where lots, I'd say probably hundreds of new lights were installed not that many years ago as part of a DOT upgrade of the expressway. What the government officials calculate is most of the people traveling through who are having difficulty because the highway is not properly lighted, they don't vote. They don't vote. They also figure uh, people like us who drive these roads on a regular basis, look, we know how 201 is set up. We know how 17 is set up. So even 
if there are zero lights, we can navigate pretty well. But again, because restoring the energy, the uh, electricity to these hundreds, probably thousands of darkened street lights around Broome County, doing that would amount to zero additional votes, you're, you're not going to see it happen. That's why action really needs to be taken at the Albany level, either the DOT or we could make a plea to Governor Hochul. This is not well, a partisan issue. This is not uh, Democrats or Republicans or conservatives or liberals would benefit more from having appropriate lighting on the highways look those lights would not have been installed by the dot at great expense if the dot didn't believe they were necessary well uh there's a hundred thousand dollar plus position at the university uh and all that's about is being a liaison with with state government what does that that guy do all day uh, anyway bob uh you know, the uh, university doesn't want video shared now. Uh, the Harvey Stanger now says you can't share a video uh, about... Well, he didn't say you can't. The statement from the university was something, and I don't have it right in front of me, but the gist of it was uh, it would be, again, I'm paraphrasing, uh, we think it would be a good idea to stop sharing this video now because, again, paraphrasing, we don't think it's helpful. So it's not that you can't. I mean, you can share it if you wish. You know, well, Har Harvey Stanger or Binghamton University doesn't have control over social media. Well, uh, and, and nor are they the determiner of what's a Nazi salute or not. You know, the police department over there, the, Binghamton, uh, the university police, had some sort of investigation where they they determined that a raised hand wasn't a Nazi salute. I, I'd like to know uh, the details, how they came up with it. Because, because Bob, uh, in 2021, uh, at a similar demonstration, uh, I have photographs of the same thing happening. <laughs> so, you know, uh, they don't know uh, a... Uh, a Nazi salute uh, from a wave, uh, you know. So it's it's. Uh, I'd like to know how much time, who the police talked to, uh, what what uh, videos they looked at. And and by the way, Bob, and I'll close with this today. You know, a lot is said by county legislators when they come up to me, others, other public officials, that I'm not a journalist. Well, I had the great pleasure of providing footage to scripts, news service. They're using my clip. So let it not be said that a, a person uh, who is good enough for Scripps News, renowned media company, uh, wouldn't be a journalist. In 2023, everyone who has a smartphone is a de facto journalist. Whether they want to use that tool or not to commit journalism is up to them. And sometimes it only happens uh, when a newsworthy event unfolds in front of them. You may, I'm not saying you particularly, I'm just saying generally, listeners may not think of themselves ever as journalists. But trust me, if you have a smartphone and you see something that appears to be newsworthy, my advice to you is turn your phone on to video mode and start shooting. Oh, and well. oh, one other thing. Horizontal video 
horizontal video. You know this, the uh, the era. Well, Bob, you, you never make a be, a be a filmmaker. I mean, you have to try new things. I'm not talking about <laughs> you know. Don't don't poke the bear. It's nine twenty on a Monday morning. I'm saying if you're going to do anything that you think could be newsworthy and you want it to be seen, well, even if you don't want it to be seen, just think going forward. If you're the only person who has been able to document some sort of scene that ultimately is construed as newsworthy, then for the rest of eternity, people have to look at something you shot. And if you shot it in in uh, vertical mode, people will make judgments. And I'm not saying it's fair. I'll just say people will judge you. And people... Yeah, I know, but You know, you know. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, hey, the world is harsh. The world is harsh. I don't like it. I've had conversations, though, with many people in the lucrative TV news industry. And man, when, when a uh, story breaks and the only videos that they have are vertical video, you wouldn't believe the language that is uttered in the, new, in the uh, editing booth or the control room. It's, it's, not, it's not pleasant. So the best thing you can do for the betterment of society, if you shoot anything, again, I'm not talking about being artistic. Hey, I love, I love art and, and uh, creative uh, cinema as much as the next person. Did you ever use a Fisher-Price uh, camera? <laughs> I did once. <laughs> once. I think it was black and white, though. I was not... No, I guess I think there was one, but it was so crudimentary. But it was kind of fun in its own twisted way. So thank you, John. I'm a strong advocate for horizontal videos. Thank you. Another call, please. 922 on a Monday. Good morning. You're on the air. What's on your mind? Oh, first, please identify yourself. Your uh, first name and hometown. Gary in Binghamton, Bob. Hey, I'd like to comment on a article that I saw that might it made me think of your previous caller, John. But first, I'd like to say, Bob, you're a Bills fan, and you know I'm a Giant fan. And I don't know if you stayed up and watched that game, but the Giants should have been allowed to have one more play because that was definitely pass interference at the end of the game. But, hey, if the Bills want to take that as a victory, chalk it up as a victory. Yeah. Well, and, and to answer, to address the elephant in the room. No, I, I didn't watch the game. Turns out I probably should have, but um, yeah, unfortunately, I, for whatever reason, I'm trying to think, what was the reason? I don't know. But you had to go to bed. <laughs> well, yeah, that, but still, still, that's not a very good reason. Yeah, but, um, so let me see. So, all the scoring, I'm looking at it now, I'm just catching up. So, all the scoring for the Bills happened in the fourth quarter. What was that? Two touchdowns, or what? Just give me a a, a synopsis of of how the game ended, because I I haven't I didn't even pay attention to the sports reports this morning. All right. Well, just regarding the scores, it's uh, it's there's down to the final seconds in the fourth quarter, and there was a pass in the end zone. The Giants were about to score and win the game, but uh, there was definitely holding pass interference and. Uh, they did not call it, and that's the way the game ended. But, but Bob, to, to get to something else, too, have you heard about this story in Newton, Iowa, Newtown, Iowa, Newton, where 
the city's being sued for arresting a man who criticized the mayor and police. Have you heard about this story? No. <laughs> yeah, it kind of made me think of, boy, this is like, you know, I mean, this is right up John's alley. I mean, he goes to city council meeting. So this is at a city council meeting. So what happened was is that you could look it up. It's a. And I, I have the stories. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, the stories are in front of me now. One headline is city sued for arresting man who criticized Newton mayor and police. Yeah, because there was like a DWI or something of a young guy, I think it was a 19 year old kid. And, and he got arrested for DWI. And then, uh, it finds out that when he, when he, uh, took the breathalyzer, he blew zeros. And so they were questioning on whether the guy was actually drunk or not. And so this guy went to the city council meeting and he, uh, you know, he criticized the police for what he felt was something uh, where the guy shouldn't have been arrested. And then he started uh, with the mayor. He started criticizing the mayor. And so the mayor at the city council meeting had him uh, arrested for uh, disorderly conduct. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, um, a shot. It's a freeze frame from the city's video during the council meeting as a cop comes and <laughs> prepares to take the the uh, yeah. constituent into custody. I don't. I mean, I'll have to read. Yeah, it says yeah. the uh, hold on. The body camera video of the arrest has generated more than two million views. Let me just p punch up that so I can see. Uh, what, I think that was the DWI. Oh, oh, that, oh, that. Okay, thank you I for. Think, I think. Yeah, no, that's it's the body cam, right? So they had cameras at the city council meeting, and the mayor said, "Shut the cameras off." So, okay, I see what you mean. Man. Yeah, I see. So the the incident in question happened over a year ago. It looks like it was August of last year, and this body camera video that's online is uh, more than 40 minutes long. So that's, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that could happen, but I guess, and I'm not saying what happens in Iowa could happen in New York State, but I would say anybody, any American who criticizes government or law enforcement had better at least look at this story to see what, um, what the whole thing, oh, I see the, and even the um, city council meeting happened last year. So the, the guy is filing a federal lawsuit alleging the mayor and police violated his constitutional rights at the city council meeting. And, and you know, kudos to that guy because he got arrested, you know, for speaking his mind. Okay, you know, you can say whatever you want. This is what the First Amendment's all about. And then... Then he comes back to the next council meeting and does it all over again. And they arrest him again for the same thing, criticizing the police and the mayor for criticizing. Well, it makes you, it makes you wonder, and I, you know me, nobody loves this country more than I do. I, I bleed red, white, and blue. You know that I was born an American and I will die an American. So I'm, I'm Mr. Patriotism, but... Sometimes I wonder when I see a story like this or that story from Kansas where police went to the newsroom of a paper and even went to the home of the publisher. And I, I, I don't know if it was the publisher, if she was the woman who ultimately died uh, of a heart attack uh, just hours after police invaded her home. Sometimes I wonder if America, the USA, 
has lost its way. Yeah, I wonder the same thing too, Bob. So, all right. Well, I'm going to uh, do more research about what happened in Newton, Iowa. Sometimes you see these things, Newton, Iowa, that other small town in Kansas, um, and I forget the name of it. But what I, I do seem to recall that um, town in Kansas where the police invaded a newsroom, and I believe, I don't know, I don't think, well, I guess they did have a warrant, but it seemed fishy or something. And it was just just one of those cases still, I think, unresolved. And then the cops also went to the home of that woman who I, I think she may have been 95 years old. And I believe less than 24 hours later, she was dead. Um, I think ultimately the police chief in that community uh, was dismissed. I don't believe he's he's working for the local police department anymore. Yeah, that's right. He, he was dismissed mm-hmm. after that. Right. And I feel badly for him, but, I mean, I feel worse for the journalists and, and worse for uh, the family of the woman who died. To me, that seemed like an unnecessary death. I mean, I, I, that was a complicated story, and it had probably as much to do with other things uh, that the newspaper reporters and the police had been involved with it it's my recollection was there were things in the past of the police chief that might have been under scrutiny even though as far as i know that the newspaper uh, had not published anything based on their reporting maybe they were going to continue reporting but sort of looked to me like the the police chief was not happy that the journalists were doing their job yeah, I mean, there was, you know, it was something about the woman. There was a woman who had oh, a yes. previous uh, DWI. DWI. Yep. And then she wanted it squashed because I don't know if she was running for city council or something. She was looking to buy a business to get an alcohol license or something like a bar. And then she wanted it squashed and she called up the police, lieutenant, whoever was in charge because she knew him. And, uh, you know, she wanted the story squashed. That was I, that's the way I. Well, yes, and I, I, I found I found it interesting that the um, the person who wanted the story squashed probably she didn't consider that ultimately by trying to have the story squashed and then the police department getting involved in in raiding the newspaper and all that took what would have been probably a very minor local story and raised it to the level where uh, tens of millions of people now know about their business. True. You know, I mean, yeah. it could have been, let's face it, my guess in that town and the newspaper involved was the Marion County record that was seized, as the headline said in their next print edition, seized but not silenced. The, um, the situation involving that woman and the police, my guess is in a small town like that, most people already knew some of the essential facts, or at least rumors. And so even if the newspaper had published some kind of a story, eventually, there probably wouldn't have been all that much more embarrassment. Probably most of the stuff already was being talked about um, at coffee shops and online. 
that's true. But if it and and if it didn't go to the national level, you know, none of this stuff would have come out. That you know, the police chief would still be the chief of police and yeah. all. You know, but yeah, whatever. So. I, all I can say in that case, and even in the case that you brought up in in Iowa, I hope everybody takes time to read about them, citizens elected officials and law enforcement officials and we try to learn from these things because most people i know most elected officials and most law enforcement officials i know don't want to get involved in cases like this because even in the end if if you can justify something legally it doesn't look good the optics aren't good right appreciate your call okay Thanks. 9.32, Monday Morning Live, 607-772-1290. I'm Bob Joseph. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. We're still saving the Southern Tier money at Galt Toyota. WNBF Live at 9.38. This is Binghamton Now. It's funny how I find myself in love with you. Let's go back to the phones. Andy Investel. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Bob. Hey, just uh, to follow up on that other story about being squashed or quashed or whatever you want to call it, you know, squished. <laughs> Um, um, back in October of 2022 at a Vestal Town meeting, I was squashed or quashed for asking a question of the town, of the town board. And you can go to WBNG.com under the title Sparks Fly at Bun Hill Road. Bun uh, Hill all Road. right. Well, let's do that. Let's go to the videotape. This is uh, just a little over a year ago, October 12th of last year. The uh, report was uh, provided by Luke Mead, a Channel 12 videographer. No, no, no. Oh, okay. I will clear this room so fast your eyes will spin. Tensions were high this evening at the Vestal Town Hall as dozens of members of the local community came to voice their concerns against the proposal to upgrade and extend the sewer system along Bun Hill Road. The project will definitely be if it goes. Uh, when they put the sewer in, they're going to put a stop on all the property lines. Uh, for future use, so we want But not everyone was in favor. This, I talked to all my friends. I can't find any person in Vessel, okay, that's for it, okay? And I thought there'd be people here that would be for it, and I'd hear their side of it, okay? Anybody here in favor of it? Well, you no, talk no, to no, me, and no, that's no, my audience. No, you speak no, here. Yeah. You don't ask questions. All right, well, that was part of it. Again, uh, from WBNG.com, October 12, 2022, and videographer Luke Mead was actually uh, at the meeting. I believe that ran on the 11 p.m. edition of 12 News. So, here we are a year later. Right, and, and by the way, uh, you didn't run the rest of it. Oh, should I run the rest of it? 
Oh yeah. Okay. That's, that's the spark. Right. That's the sparks part. Oh, I didn't want. Oh, well, I didn't want people to be scared. Okay, uh, for our listeners who might be more sensitive, I'm going to run more of the Luke Mead report from just over a year ago. You can find this in its entirety at WBNG.com. This is more of a Vestal Town Board meeting with uh, town residents in attendance. And at one point, a Vestal police officer was called in. Excuse me, every one of you have the, have the, have the videos. Officer? The project along Bun Hill Road has been a topic of controversy in Vestal over the past year. So that was you. That was you. And then toward the right in the uh, the shot, there was a Vestal police officer in in the doorway. So what happened? I mean, obviously, this nothing is a. Happened. Oh, OK, happened. so you weren't you weren't I, escorted happened because I think the town, the town attorney whispered to to the current uh, supervisor, that it was illegal to even do what he did. All right. Well, I see that, and I'm looking at the, the shot again, and I do see that the supervisor is, is leaning over and talking to someone at his right, so maybe maybe he did receive some guidance that having you hauled off out of the meeting would not would not be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see how far of a question I asked. Hardly asked anything. Let me rack that back. Hold on. I'm going to rack it back. Do you mind? Sure. Okay. Go ahead. This is, again, WBNG.com with the report from just over a year ago. Excuse me. Every one of you have have the the videos. Excuse me? Well, yeah, you you were about to ask a, a question, right? And, and someone didn't, and some people didn't want to hear it at the at the town board, and that's and that is how he how they run their their organization or their government. Well, at least you didn't get arrested. Isn't that nice? Isn't well, it is nice. I probably, I probably would have made national news. Yeah. No, I remember one time I was reporting a story in Vestal and uh, my expensive, as in $1,100 phone, got knocked out of my hand because I, I was committing the crime of journalism. Wow. Now, I didn't make a report about it because fortunately, yeah. even though my phone fell on the pavement, fortunately the phone was still working. Although it's actually, this is a weird thing, today it's starting to act up and I'm wondering... Again, the camera section is starting to act up. I'm wondering if that has anything. I'm serious. I'm not making this part up. Just this morning as I was taking some pictures for a story I'm working on, it started to act up. And I hadn't even thought about the fact that maybe winding up getting slapped from my hand by the long arm of the law and winding up on a Vestal roadway, maybe maybe that could have months ago have have caused a problem with the interior of a camera but like i said I, I never made a report because the camera i mean fortunately it landed okay so it didn't land apparently on on the face so the screen wasn't broken or anything so but it just goes to show journalism is not is not something that really is embraced by by all members of of society including uh 
elected officials and law enforcement officials who I thought used to take an oath to uphold the U.S. Constitution. I agree. Thank you for taking the call. Okay, thank you. I mean, obviously, you don't want to hear about my problems, but um, it just goes to show. And I've been to some other public meetings before where people, constituents, citizens, are being told basically you can't ask questions. I mean, it happens on a regular basis. If you look at, if you attend, and I know most of our listeners don't attend probably because you're so busy, you don't have time to attend government meetings, but it's not uncommon that uh, elected officials, whether it's a city council or planning commission or town board, village board, um, maybe county legislature, where constituents, the people they're working for, are told, you can't speak or you can't ask questions. It's like, what country are we in? This is America. The whole point of democracy is asking questions, providing information. That's how we work together. That's how we make our communities better. Tell us what's going on. If you're going to raise, give yourself a 50% raise like some people were prepared to do last year. Put ads on the radio. We're going to hold a meeting. We're going to hold a public meeting. We plan to raise our pay by 50%. Thought you'd like to know. This is a public service announcement. Attend our meeting to watch us approve 50% raises. Come and see. Watch us do what you'd love to do. It's 946. Bob Joseph on your side on WNBF. WNBF Live at 949. Back to the phones we go to the town of Dickinson. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning, Bob. I was just wondering when they were going to start on this walk bridge. They have all their equipment up there. It's going to be any time now. Any time. At any moment. The the precision operation to remove the beloved pedestrian bridge will get underway. It could happen starting tonight. I don't know the schedule uh, for sure, but it's it's going to happen. And once it happens, it's going to happen fast. Well, that's good. I feel sorry for the people that live around there, though, especially, you know, those uh, those businesses and so forth. But they say they're going to work at night. They will. They will. So uh, disruptions, at least traffic disruptions, will be minimal. The work will be conducted primarily at night. On the other hand, if you're trying to sleep and you live nearby, you probably uh, probably can count on hearing some noise because it's impossible to remove that bridge without making some noise. Well, well, Bob, I'll be glad when it's done, when it's all done and stuff, but there's a lot of equipment up there now. 
I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. So I just, you know, it's too bad it has to go down, you know. But, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, people used to use that for when they went to the Speedy Fest. I know. I was one of them. I have such pleasant memories crossing over the highway heading to see the balloons and enjoy lamb speedies. Now, that can never happen. Yeah. I used to get up at 4.30 to go to work, and I used to walk that bridge all the time. I'd get the bus at 6 o'clock to go to my first assignment, and then uh, then I used to get off over there on, on Chenango Street and walk across the bridge because it was shorter. Yeah. Well, it had a pretty good run. They uh, They had it in use for over half a century. I think it was operational for 55 years and i think the way things go around here if you build something out of concrete and steel these days if it lasts for 50 years that's that's about the best you can expect before they have to shut it down and then tear it down yeah okay i was just wondering have a good day all right thanks yeah you know, that uh, pedestrian bridge if uh, if you want go take a picture It'll last longer. It's 952 WNBF 607-772-1290. This is the station that provides the information that fuels the Twin Tiers. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town square media station. WNBF, 9.56. Back to the phones. Good morning. You're on the air, Mr. Dial Tone. Yeah, you can always call the station, by the way, at 607-772-1290. Air quality, simply delightful. I thought Friday's air quality was maybe about the best I had ever noticed since June when I started paying attention to AQI air quality index. Well, today is even better. It's 14. It's supposed to get to 13 this afternoon. Eventually, the air will be simply too clean. We'll have to actually add contaminants so our lungs know that it's real Binghamton air. Hi, you're on the air. Speaking of that, uh, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Bob. This is uh, accidentally Mr. Dial Tone there. Sorry oh, okay. About that. That's okay. Dave from Vestal. Hey, hey, I, I wanted to tell you real quick because I know you're going to the news, Bob. You know, I read an article in the uh, Washington. It was from the Washington Times. And uh, it was talking about um, Biden coming into office and reversing, you know, what Trump had set in place. Many things. And long story short, Bob, I want to know if you agree with the statement at the end of the article, because, boy, it sounds awful true to me. But it says, uh, thank Biden and the Democrats for Iran, Russia, 
gasoline, inflation, the border, and crime-ridden cities. And if they had just left things alone, we would all be leading better lives today. Does that sound about right? It sounds about wrong. It does. You, you won't even cherry-pick some one topic out of it? Not even like the border, maybe, or nothing? No, it sounds like that guy has some kind of an axe to grind. I'll, who wrote that? Uh, a guy from Washington Times. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Uh, Rowan, Rowan Scarborough. Well, I know he has a street name for him in Endwell, Scarborough Drive. Hold <laughs> yeah, on a second. Yeah, I, know. I know his I know. Uh, his dad, Joe Scarborough, is uh, on MSNBC with Mika. So, you know, maybe he's trying to uh, get back as, at his dad. Maybe it's some sort of uh, family tiff. You mean morning joke? Joe Scarborough, and I think he calls it Cup of Joe. And I, what a... What a grand name that is, you know, obviously. Oh, here it is. It says Biden squandered Trump inheritance from the Washington Times. Why can't he leave well enough alone? And this was uh, published October 11th. So, yeah, let me uh, let me page down because this this Rowan Scarborough, certainly you can tell just from the lead. He's he's no fan of Scranton Joe. Uh, he pretty, says, pretty, he says, yeah. President Biden and Democrats are outdoing history in the disasters they've brought to foreign affairs and to the American middle class who live by the rules, struggle with family budgets, and work hard. Wow. True. And it, it's, uh, not only that, not only does he despise Biden, at least Biden's policies, maybe he thinks Joe Biden actually is a nice guy, but his policies aren't nice. He actually loves the policies that were promulgated by his predecessor, the former guy. It even says former guy, and he uses the name. I don't want to. Oop. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, showers high near 57. Mostly cloudy tonight, slight chance of showers low around 44. Mostly cloudy on Tuesday with a slight chance of showers in the afternoon, high near 58. A Broome County resident with a lengthy criminal history is to be sentenced to prison after he admitted he assaulted a New York State trooper. Prosecutors said Dylan Shoemaker of Shenango Forks fought with troopers who were investigating a domestic dispute on February 6th. The incident happened in a home on Perch Pond Road in Windsor. Police were trying to take Shoemaker into custody when he fought with troopers. He punched one trooper in the face. That trooper was cut by glass as he wrestled the man to the ground. The injured trooper was treated at a hospital and released. According to the Broome County District Attorney's Office, Shoemaker has pleaded guilty to second-degree assault. Under the plea agreement, he is expected to be sentenced to 12 years to life in state prison. In the month of September, members from Troop C removed 53 impaired drivers off New York State roadways. One of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with him. Seven of those drivers had a BAC higher than 0.18%. Two of those drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years, and nine of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. 
Troop C of New York State Police encounters seven counties, which include Broome, Shenangle, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins. A Binghamton man has been charged with unlawful fleeing, reckless driving, and more after recklessly on the, driving on the sidewalks of the city of Binghamton. On Friday, Sheriff's deputies observed the operator of a black Yamaha motorcycle driving recklessly on the sidewalk and on the grounds of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School in the Robinson Street area of the city of Binghamton. Due to the reckless operation of the motorcycle, Sheriff's road patrols attempted to initiate a traffic stop at which point the motorcycle sped away, ignoring stop signs and driving westbound onto oncoming traffic lanes on Court Street. The male operator of the motorcycle and his female passenger continued to attempt to evade law enforcement, crossing traffic lanes, down sidewalks, and through a fence on Howard Avenue near a pedestrian. A short time later, the motorcycle was found hidden behind a dumpster near 217 Robinson Street, and both the operator and passenger were located walking nearby. The operator of the motorcycle was taken into custody without incident and charged. A new variety shop has opened its doors at a location in Endicott that's been used by banks and clothing stores over the years. The store at 43 Washington Avenue is called Six Rose Shopping and Discount. The street-level portion of the building most recently had been used by M&T Bank. The owner said the business started operating this month. The 5,000-square-foot store stocks a wide variety of items, including household goods, hardware, and office supplies. The store's name is linked to the six brothers who are partners in the business. The online shopping will be available starting early next month. Free delivery will be offered for purchases over $50. The family operates three similar discount stores in the Bronx, along with a restaurant and two supermarkets. New York State police are uh, making the public aware of a phone and computer scam that is occurring in our area. New York State police are advising anyone who receives such a call to not provide any personal information. They say your personal information can be used to steal your identity and commit fraud. If you receive a phone from phone call from the Federal Trade Commission asking for money. Do not provide any personal information. Hang up and attempt to contact the facility directly. Gas and construction trade groups are suing to block New York State's ban on gas stoves and furnaces in new buildings. The organizations argue the law violates the federal government's rules around how gas appliances are regulated. They filed the case against the state on Thursday in federal court. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat, this year approved the ban on the installation of fossil fuel equipment in new buildings. It's set to take effect in 2026 for structures of seven stories or less and in 2029 for larger buildings. The law would not apply to existing buildings. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. Monday morning, 
Bob Joseph with another big hour of Real Radio, 607-772-1290. That is the number to call. WNBF. On the air live. It's uh, already, I guess, the halfway point to October, a month that is just simply flying by. Before you know it, it will be Halloween, and then it will be Thanksgiving, and then it will be all the other holidays. So we encourage you to uh, enjoy, pay attention. Things are moving very, very fast right now. And we'll be going to the phones with more of your calls coming up shortly. We're now joined by Bruce Boyer from Security Mutual Life, the chairman of the board. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Good. What's it like being the chairman of the board? Um, Some days it's good. Other days we have to think about it, right? (laughs) (laughs) It It means paying attention to things that are constantly changing. Boy, isn't that the truth? That's the only certainty we have. Things will change. Absolutely. And that's why we get up every day. That's our motivation to see what new challenges we uh, can face and what what adjustments uh, need to be made to, to move things uh, in the proper direction. I appreciate your joining us. The uh, Sock Out Cancer concert is coming up in just a few days, and you'll have some information to uh, let people know what's uh, happening here in Binghamton later this week. First, a little background for people not familiar with Sock Out Cancer, even though it's now been part of the community for years. Yeah, I guess, uh, sorry for my voice, I have a little bit of laryngitis, uh, so I'm not sick, but I'm not with you. So um, let me just back up. Uh, Sock Out Cancer actually uh, was created right here in Binghamton in 2017. It actually uh, was my wife's idea at that point in time. And what we were trying to do is satisfy a need, and the need was for, unfortunately, cancer patients that might need basic living expense needs. They might need things like food, transportation to treatment, help with the rent, things of that nature. We do believe in uh, research, but uh, this was a little bit different. It was to take care of the basic necessities of life so people could actually focus on fighting the disease as opposed to worrying where their next meal was coming from. We actually teamed up with the um, with the local hospitals here in town when we first started. So both Lourdes and UHS, uh, they are our distribution partner, uh, Bob. They distribute the funds because they know who needs the money, and they do it without any administrative charge because we're feeding people. It's part of their uh, charitable give back to the community. So I'm, I'm really proud of that particular point. And obviously, uh, Security Mutual is the, uh, the backbone of um, sock out cancer in terms of what we're doing. 
but as I said, it started in uh, 2017. We uh, we now have various cities in New York. Um, we're actually in several states, but I'll just leave this for today about New York. In that short period of time, June 4th uh, of this year was declared Sockout Cancer Day in New York State. And in the resolution that was supported by both Republicans and Democrats, they actually uh, put in their resolution that as of June 4th of this year, we had distributed uh, in excess of $1.3 million. So it gives you a feel for the scope of what's happening on Sockout Cancer. Well, it's very impressive for that amount of money to go to this important cause in such a short period of time. Tell us about the uh, the concert that will be taking place at the Forum Theater here in Binghamton on Friday evening. Yeah, we're uh, really fortunate. Um, so at, we're doing two concerts, one here in Binghamton, as you just said, Bob, on Friday night. We'll be at the Forum Theater. Then on Saturday night, we're actually doing the, the same concert up at the Landmark Theater in Syracuse for the hospitals up there. The thing that's uh, unique about what's happening with Sockout Cancer, so we have, um, so that we can raise as much money as possible, we actually search out for certain uh, performers that have, in fact, experienced cancer, which, you know, the majority, everybody really has had some touch uh, with regard to cancer in their family. But we're fortunate that we found uh, John Elefani, who's a former vocalist with Kansas. Uh, you might remember the song, Dust in the Wind. Uh, he was famous for that. Uh, we also uh, are teaming up with uh, Fran Cosmos, who is more of a local person. He uh, was a prior vocalist with Boston. You'll remember the song, Walk On. So Fran and uh, John have put together a special concert for Sockout Cancer. They'll be singing those two songs, and they'll be accompanied by the Philip Myers Band uh, out of Cincinnati. So we'll have uh, 10 players that are up uh, on the stage. It should be a great evening out. Uh, the tickets are on sale over at the Forum Theater. If you go to the box office, they're $35. Um, you can also buy them through Ticketmaster. The thing I would mention is the sponsors in this community have been very powerful, the presenting sponsors, and we have a number of sponsors that have actually paid for this event, which means that if you're buying a $35 ticket, that $35 is going to be split dollar for dollar. If you haven't purchased your ticket yet, when you buy your ticket, dollar for dollar, that will be split. And we have two local foundations. We have uh, the Lord's Hospital Foundation, the UHS Foundation. So for local cancer patients that are being serviced by them, they will receive uh, a portion of this. For children in the southern tier that uh, go to the Galisano Children's Hospital for Pediatric Cancer, we also want to include them. So we have a special, um, through their foundation, a special arrangement where they provide uh, dollars for the families of those uh, children that are experiencing that. So if they have to travel, gas money, they have overnight accommodations, that's that's what this is all about. So those are the three uh, uh, benefactors for this particular concert, Bob. And there, and there is, of course, a lot of information on the 
website, SockOutCancer.org, about uh, both of the concerts in Binghamton Friday, the Syracuse concert Saturday, and also uh, a lot of information about the work that uh, has been done over the last several years and the work that continues to be done. Well, one of the uh, one of the great things uh, on this concert, what we really were trying to do also, is keep the cost at a reasonable number. I mean, we could have easily charged double or triple. I mean, this is going to be a first-class concert, but we wanted to make it reachable for everybody financially. Through the hospital foundations, we also uh, provide complimentary tickets for cancer patients. So there will be a group of uh, individuals that are there because we want to give them, and I do mean give them, a night out. And we want them to know that we have their back and we care about our friends, our neighbors, and people who live in our uh, great community. And I understand, uh, Bob, uh, you're going to be helping us on that also for cancer patients. That you, We have a special number. Thanks to Bob and the show for those that are listening. It'll, it'll start immediately today, and it goes through um, Thursday at 5 p.m., because the concert is on Friday, where for cancer patients, if you did not hear about this, we do want to provide you with the night out. So we have allocated a certain number of tickets to Bob uh, for this particular show. And all you have to do is make a phone call. The number is 607-338-7338. All we need is your name. If you're leaving a message, make sure you give us your phone number so we can call you back. But um, all you have to do is let us know that either you've been through cancer, you're going through cancer, and you want a night out, uh, and we'll make tickets available for you. Uh, Typically, uh, we would make two tickets available, but if you have members in your family and you want to bring more, you just need to let us know if you need four tickets. That's fine. It really, uh, you know, depends upon your family. So when you call in, just uh, talk to the individuals that are answering the phone. Uh, All right. And And that's important. I think that's uh, that's important for our listeners and many people who've been through a lot. That's, uh, I think, it's a great opportunity and also helps to uh, show essentially the the appreciation of of the community and the people who have been behind Sock Out Cancer since its inception. Absolutely. And I can tell you, uh, if you are calling in for the tickets again, the number is 607-338-7338. And for me, this is one of the highlights of the concert to see people who are going through this uh, enjoying their night out. So I want to thank you, Bob, for uh, making uh, that arrangement for the next few days so that individuals can call. And I know you're going to be repeating that number a couple of times yeah we'll we'll let people know along the way and uh bruce boyer thanks for joining us this morning despite a a little touch of laryngitis i appreciate your uh chatting for the last few minutes about this week's concert and again if people also want more information about the concert and obtaining tickets if you want to purchase tickets or get more information about sock out cancer the website is sockoutcancer.org.org bruce boyer thank you it's a pleasure to speak with you 
Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it very much. Thank okay. you for all you do. Have a great day. You too. It's 1022. We're live and local here on News Radio WNBF, serving the community. That is our mission. We're here for you. And we're here to take your calls until noon if you have thoughts about things that are going on around the world. By all means, feel free to join us. Your voice matters when you call 607-772-1290. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290, also available at 92.1 FM. We sell the ultimate driving machine at Galt BMW. WNBF at 1026. This is Monday, October 16th, 2023. And no, there is not any mention of snow in the forecast, contrary to what you may have heard out on the street. Those vicious rumors. Well, I heard there's going to be a lot of snow. Well, you heard incorrectly. There's not going to be a lot of snow yet. (laughs) We'll let you know. We will let you know when there's a lot of snow. So stay tuned (laughs) to Snow Radio. People are saying, well, the Farmer's Almanac said, yeah, yeah, I used to know a guy. I used to know a guy who knew the whole story about the Farmer's Almanac. And uh, maybe I can track him down, get some clarification on on what that's about. Here is the current forecast, the real forecast from the National Weather Service. Today, mostly cloudy, still a bit of fog around sections of the Twin Tiers. There will also be some drizzle and showers for another few hours. High 53, mostly cloudy tonight with a chance of showers early, low 44, cloudy tomorrow. A slight chance of showers in the afternoon, high 58. Wednesday, partly sunny, high 60. And Thursday, looks like a really good day in terms of weather. Thursday, mostly sunny, high 65. Right now, it's 49 in downtown Binghamton. That's 9 Celsius (laughs) at News Radio WNBF, WNBF WNBF.com. That website, by the way, is the place... That offers some very interesting local stories, including the new discount store that's opened up at the 
former bank location on Washington Avenue. That place has been used by banks and even clothing stores over the years. The last bank to use it was M&T Bank. M&T Bank used the space there at 43 Washington Avenue. And now it's a, uh, a, dis- it's a discount shop. So somebody was asking, well, is it new stuff or used stuff? No, it's new stuff. It's, um, it's a variety of stuff. When I was reporting the story... And talking with um, one of the owners, I noticed they even had quite a few toys. Had a lot of stuff in there. Looked like um, bikes for kids. Not big bikes for people like me, but um, bikes that are suitable for kids and some other things. So you can take a look at that story on our website, WNBF.com have a couple other stories that you will see posted there shortly that uh, I think you'll find fascinating. I know you'll find them fascinating. Well, it's the intent. Anyway, so keep checking WNBF.com for your local information because we are your information station on air and online. News tips also are useful, and I mention this every so often, but maybe I don't mention it frequently enough. News tips now are more important than ever. And uh, at a time when a number of reporters all across the country has uh, dwindled, so we need your news tips. So, and I told this to uh, a person last week about a story. I said, the most important thing when you see news happening in your neighborhood, if it's next door or across the street, the first thing you should do is send a note to bob at wnbf.com, and then I'll go actually and check it out myself, and that way we can get better information. So don't Try not to dawdle. You don't need to uh, say, well, you can tell it's newsworthy. There's a lot of activity there. So obviously, because of all that activity, obviously it'll be on the news. And then you listen to the news and you wonder, huh, I wonder why it's not on the news. Well, it's because we didn't know about it. We, We know a lot of things about stuff going on around here, but we don't know everything. And one of the main drivers of uh, real reporting right now in 2023 is assistance from people out in the field. So consider yourself deputized. If you see news happening day or night, just send an email to bob at wnbf.com and I'll do my best to check into it. And as they say, get the story. And sometimes, by the way, something may look big, and then I'll look into it, and turns out it actually wasn't what it seemed to be. Sometimes, sometimes things look pretty serious, and it turns out, upon further inspection, it wasn't anything 
really newsworthy, but it's it's always better better that I check into it just in case. You never know. 1032 WNBF. Here's a story that somehow I missed this. I guess because it broke late on Friday. And I'm reading this from uh, the New York One news website, ny1.com, which is Spectrum Local News. News you'll see on uh, your Spectrum cable system if you're a subscriber. Kevin Fry reported from Washington, D.C. House Republicans are threatening to subpoena former Governor Cuomo as they investigate the deaths of nursing home patients during the opening months of the coronavirus pandemic. They want to ask Cuomo about his administration's COVID policies, including effectively requiring nursing homes to admit COVID patients from hospitals. Congresswoman Nicole Maliotakis said that directive was against the CDC recommendations. She said, we're very concerned that he just did not follow the protocol. In May, the Republican-led House panel reached out to Cuomo asking for documents and testimony. They said in a letter, your testimony is important to uncover the circumstances and policy which led to the death of more than 15,000 New York nursing home residents during your tenure. And then the subcommittee reached out one more time setting a deadline of tomorrow for Cuomo to hand over materials. In a new letter, they wrote, to date, we have not received a single document from you. Rich, as a party, a spokesman for Cuomo, called the letter a farce. He said the data they seek, which has already been reviewed twice by the DOJ, as well as the State Assembly and the Attorney General, all of which found no there there. He said the uh, information is with the state. It's unfortunate that some D.C. politicians are seeking to transparently weaponize people's pain to advance a political agenda. In a statement, a spokesperson for the subcommittee acknowledged Cuomo may not have the materials that the panel is seeking. Telling Spectrum News, we've reached out to Governor Cuomo's team in an attempt to obtain any documents that are responsive to our request, which he may or may not have in his possession. And that same spokesperson said they also reached out to Governor Hochul's administration seeking COVID materials. They said her team has not produced responsive documents that would satisfy the entire request. And according to this story from New York One, State Health Department claims to be fully cooperating. So. We'll see what happens, but at least that brings you up to date with what uh, some Republicans in the House are hoping to do to get more information about how COVID was handled in 2020 here in New York State. 607-772-1290 is the number. You're listening to Bob Joseph on 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and WNBF.com.
10, 1039 WNBF. You know, I'm just thinking back on uh, the days when AM radio was uh, the place to go for all your music needs. And uh, I, I would play that a song like that in hot rotation. Hot rotation, which means for a time it was probably being played, oh, who knows, maybe once every 70 minutes. And then suddenly people said, wait, let me go to Spotify for all my music needs so I don't have to <laughs> hear that song anymore. Well, here's something. Speaking of state government, Governor Hochul has signed legislation to expand alcoholic beverage sales across New York. Sometimes I am led to believe that the governor and maybe others in Albany are just trying to get us drunk or get us high. Anything that will cause us to ignore what's really going on in New York State. Uh, more beer more often, more weed more often. You go out and I'm surprised that uh, they haven't combined. It'll probably be the next thing. Your one-stop shop for weed and beer. They haven't gotten there yet, but uh, it's probably happening. The new laws allow for sale of beer any day of the week, including Sundays, is which, of course, you can get beer any day of the week, but the hours have been expanded. Liquor and wine stores can um, now operate from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Sundays, so I guess that's good for someone. Counties can still set more restrictive hours. What I don't know, and nobody has told me, but maybe somebody, somebody in Broome County or Tioga County government can call in to let me know if they're going to allow liquor stores to open at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. My guess, it's only a guess, my guess is they'll say absolutely. We, we want you to sell liquor, wine, beer, and weed seven days a week to make it less likely our constituents really know what's going on. Yeah, drink more, smoke more, and ignore. And of course, mostly, yeah, some would say it's just so you don't pay attention to what's going on in local and state government. I think it's mostly about the money when you think about it, because for every alcoholic beverage or every cannabis product that's sold by a legally licensed, by a, a New York State licensed shop, of course the state gets its cut. And then local governments also get a cut of that. So why would they? Why would they say, how about this? How about you try not drinking as much beer and smoking as much weed for a month or two? They don't want that because that means less revenue coming in less money they less of your money they can spend because remember it's your money if you're buying these products at a new york state licensed outlet part of the purchase price includes the state taxes so that means 
They will take your money to use for whatever purposes they want. Probably mainly during election years so they can make bold announcements at photo ops. With news releases that proclaim, I did this. I did this. I, Kathy Hochul, or I, fill in the blank, member of the state legislature, did this. Yeah, you did as far as steering our money to a particular project. But remember, it's not your money. It's our money. It's our money that we probably, left to our own devices, we probably would have chosen to spend it on something else other than your pet project that's designed to get you reelected. Governor Hochul said, I'm proud to sign this legislation that will modernize the laws governing the sales of alcoholic beverages in New York. One guy who owns a wine and liquor store near Albany, his name is Brad, according to the Albany Times Union, he's excited. about the earlier opening time and we'll have those new hours beginning next Sunday. He's excited. He said they normally get a rush at noon when they have previously opened on Sundays, which he thinks will translate to business earlier on with the new hours. So he'll have to get up earlier, or at least his workers will have to get up earlier on Sunday, and he's excited about it. The store sees lots of football fans decked out in jerseys coming in before the NFL game, so he's excited to offer them more flexibility in hours. Well, hey, whatever excites you. With the holidays coming up, it's very difficult to open the doors at noon and have a lot of people come in at the same time or the loss of business when people are trying to shop earlier and we're not open. He is particularly happy to have the expanded business hours in place this year when Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve fall on Sundays. Another guy, Craig, who owns a wine store in Latham, also near Albany, said when Christmas Eve last fell on a Sunday, he had more than 1,500 customers in the first hour after a noon opening. And this guy, Craig, said counties need to approve the new opening times. And he said Albany County is ready to do so quickly. Hmm. Well, we'll see what we find out about uh, the officials in Broome and Tauga counties. And my guess they'll be inclined to act quickly on this. Because, again, is it about healthy choices? Is it about things that make life noticeably better for your constituents? Well, maybe. I guess if you need to go buy some liquor at 10.01 on Sunday morning, I guess this will make your life better. Maybe if you own a store and want to open it at 10 o'clock Sunday morning instead of at noon, maybe you'll be excited about that. So, I mean, I'm not against business. If people are, I mean, the truth is, if people are going to drink, or for that matter, if people are going to use cannabis products, they're going to do it anyway. So, I guess, why don't they just 
drop all the regulations, all the regulations regarding hours. Just say, hey, we don't care if you have a 24-7 store. If you want to be open, you know, your wine and liquor super center, if you think there's enough business to be open at 4 in the morning, go right ahead. Because we need the money. We're New York State. We need the money. Just have it open all the time. It's probably going to get to that at some point. We're going down that slippery slope. So at some point, and it may not be approved by Governor Hochul, but somewhere, probably in the next decade, New York State will just say, hey, go right ahead. You want to sell beer? Or wine? Or liquor? Or weed? Any hour of the day? Go ahead. As long as we get our cut of the profits. It's 1048. This is Bob Joseph, live in living color on WNBF. From Colombia, she smiled because I did not understand. Then she held out some marijuana. She said it was the best in all the land. And I said, No, 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 I don't smoke it no more. I'm tired of waking up on the floor. No, thank you, please. It only makes me sneeze. Then it makes it hard to find the door. There you go. Dedicated to Kathy in Albany. It's 1051 from WNBF station that is here for you, America. And even for people who may be listening in other countries, too. You certainly are welcome. Oh, John from Binghamton wrote just a quick email referring to a new store that opened without one dime of taxpayer subsidy. Yeah, I noticed that, too. Be some other stories I'll uh, be reporting this week about some new businesses in the area that are somehow, some way, able to get off the ground without receiving tax breaks or grants or low-interest loans from the government. Sort of business the way it used to be. When I was growing up, typically, my understanding was businesses would operate under the premise that we'll provide a product or service and then we'll be compensated fairly for it or maybe in some cases unfairly depending on on demand um, you can charge for your product or service what the market will bear some people would say well that's excessive but on the other hand if you've got a product or service that people really, really want and they can't get the same thing elsewhere, then you can charge, in theory, a lot more than it really is worth. And that's fine. You can't compel people. Or, you know, people aren't forced to buy your product, I guess, unless it's electricity or the phone or cable. But other than that, so it is nice. 
every so often to see some of these businesses, entrepreneurs, who actually somehow come up with a business plan and a location and spend all the time and money to get things going and to meet every local, state, and federal regulation. And for some reason, they're not asking for some sort of government help. So I'll have a, a couple of stories coming up this week about other local businesses that are somehow able to do that. It's 1054. WNBF 92.1 FM 1290 AM streaming at WNBF.com. It's 1058. Good morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. On News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. back to that story from uh, Iowa where a guy was arrested for disparaging a police department at a city council meeting. <laughs> well, the, uh, the people in that town didn't think it was right that the guy was speaking about something that happened. And so basically the mayor said, no, 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 you can't you can't do that. The mayor interrupted the guy at the city council meeting, told him to stop speaking, and then summoned the police chief to the lectern where the guy was standing. The police chief placed the guy in handcuffs, arrested him, and escorted him out of the city council chambers and had him taken to jail where he was booked on a charge of disorderly conduct for disrupting a lawful assembly and then placed in a cell. In a news release, the city said the guy was arrested for speaking in a manner that was deemed to be in violation of the stated rules for citizen participation and for being disruptive because he wouldn't leave. Effectively, they had to arrest him because he wouldn't, excuse the expression, shut up. So that is the story from Iowa. 11 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, showers high near 57. Mostly cloudy tonight, slight chance of showers, low around 44. Mostly cloudy on Tuesday with a slight chance of showers in the afternoon, high near 58. A Broome County resident with a lengthy criminal history is to be sentenced to prison after he admitted he assaulted a New York State trooper. Prosecutors said Dylan Shoemaker of Shenango Forks fought with troopers who were investigating a domestic dispute on February 6th. 
The incident happened in a home on Perch Pond Road in Windsor. Police were trying to take Shoemaker into custody when he fought with troopers. He punched one trooper in the face. That trooper was cut by glass as he wrestled the man to the ground. The injured trooper was treated at a hospital and released. According to the Broome County District Attorney's Office, Shoemaker has pleaded guilty to second-degree assault. Under the plea agreement, he is expected to be sentenced to 12 years to life in state prison. In the month of September, members from Troop C removed 53 impaired drivers off New York State roadways. One of those impaired drivers also had a child under the age of 15 in the vehicle with him. Seven of those drivers had a BAC higher than 0.18%. Two of those drivers had been previously convicted of DWI in the last 10 years. And nine of those drivers were under the influence of drugs. Troop C of New York State Police encounters seven counties, which include Broome, Shenangle, Cortland, Delaware, Otsego, Tioga, and Tompkins. A Binghamton man has been charged with unlawful fleeing, reckless driving, and more after recklessly on the, driving on the sidewalks of the city of Binghamton. On Friday, sheriff's deputies observed the operator of a black Yamaha motorcycle driving recklessly on the sidewalk and on the grounds of Calvin Coolidge Elementary School in the Robinson Street area of the city of Binghamton. Due to the reckless operation of the motorcycle, sheriff's road patrols attempted to initiate a traffic stop at which point the motorcycle sped away, ignoring stop signs and driving westbound onto oncoming traffic lanes on Court Street. The male operator of the motorcycle and his female passenger continued to attempt to evade law enforcement, crossing traffic lanes, down sidewalks, and through a fence on Howard Avenue near a pedestrian. A short time later, the motorcycle was found hidden behind a dumpster near 217 Robinson Street, and both the operator and passenger were located walking nearby. The operator of the motorcycle was taken into custody without incident and charged. A new variety shop has opened its doors at a location in Endicott that's been used by banks and clothing stores over the years. The store at 43 Washington Avenue is called Six Bros Shopping and Discount. The street-level portion of the building most recently had been used by M&T Bank. The owner said the business started operating this month. The 5,000-square-foot store stocks a wide variety of items, including household goods, hardware, and office supplies. The store's name is linked to the six brothers who are partners in the business. The online shopping will be available starting early next month. Free delivery will be offered for purchases over $50. The family operates three similar discount stores in the Bronx, along with a restaurant and two supermarkets. New York State police are uh, making the public aware of a phone and computer scam that is occurring in our area. New York State police are advising anyone who receives such a call to not provide any personal information. They say your personal information can be used to steal your identity and commit fraud. If you receive a phone from phone call from the Federal Trade Commission asking for money, do not provide any personal information, hang up, and attempt to contact the facility directly. Gas and construction trade groups are suing to block New York State's ban on gas stoves and furnaces in new buildings. 
The organizations argue the law violates the federal government's rules around how gas appliances are regulated. They filed the case against the state on Thursday in federal court. New York Governor Kathy Hochul, a Democrat, this year approved the ban on the installation of fossil fuel equipment in new buildings. It's set to take effect in 2026 for structures of seven stories or less and in 2029 for larger buildings. The law would not apply to existing buildings. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Hey, 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 another big hour with Bob Joseph Live. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Hold on. 607-772-1290 is the Binghamton Now hotline. Let's go back to the phones. Martin in Binghamton, good morning. You're on the air. Yeah, good morning. Yeah, you were talking about the um, the weed and the alcohol and uh, our vices and also, but um, you... Uh, forgot about gambling too that is so um entrenched in our society now it's on tv all the time you can gamble 24 7 you can gamble during the game you can gamble just so many different kinds of combinations and in one sense that's even um they're all bad but um they all can be bad but um you know, you can lose the the family finances too through the gambling. I mean, you know, but I want to mainly talk about the uh, what we're all losing here is the um, the rollout of the marijuana law um, and why it was so why we lost so many so much money and that we only have about 23 24 stores opened up it was because the advent and beginning of those sticker stores that should have been shut immediately i mean they're trying to find some freaking loophole but when it come right down to it the point was you don't have a license that that law was supposed to be for people who whose lives were upended by um, marijuana and that you had proven that you could run a business. But those um, sticker stores just really, and it's still today, it's, it's, it's just killing the, killing the business. And um, um, New York City, they still have over 1,500 uh, sticker stores. They're, they're trying, as soon as they close one, they open them back up again. And um, after she passed that law, she also passed um, something very progressive, though, in the United States that you can't test for marijuana on the job or for a job interview um, application and kind of opening the door even more. And um, so, but it's, this is something that's done with us, you know, forever. And um, going back, I mean, I haven't had 
because uh, of whatever reason, I drank for like over 42 years almost. And I remember um, back in college, wrote a paper on um, not being, I was even against it, but entitled Smart, Stop Marketing Alcohol on Radio and Television. Um, well, why? Because of um, they, they stopped having cigarette advertising in 1970 and you can drive down the cigarette street mostly and not kill anybody while you're in, in, um, smoking a cigarette, but you know, and the alcohol plus being through rehabs from coast to coast. I mean, you would, um, you'd be there Saturday morning and be watching ESPN and then they'd be bumping, you know, hitting you with all kinds of, uh, advertisements on alcohol and everything else. And it's just, you know, made it, you know, pretty, pretty hard for younger guys. You know, it's like, Jesus, you know, I mean, you know, and so now fast forward 35, 40 years, you, you know, you have liquor, you have wine, you have all that to be advertised on. And, it's, and of course, it's all about money. But all well, I mean, so I mean, strictly because I work at a um, broadcast facility and the only money we have coming in isn't from loyal listeners. It's only from loyal um, advertisers. So I guess when I think about it, I should be for everything, anything that is legal should be advertised on this station so we can maximize our profit. That's That should be my official position. Well, you know, most people aren't going to get in trouble with these, with alcohol, um, weed, or gambling. I mean, you know, there's this people with addictive personalities they're going to get into uh, problems with that but um, the main thing is that you know we but people are losing millions of dollars that was it they were they were they were going to have the rollout they're gonna, people are going to make all this money um, they're going to open these stores and all these poor farmers have have millions of dollars stockpiled they're losing they've lost their 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 shirt well and, I, I feel badly for them I do. I mean, and whether it's uh, people who uh, grew a lot of cannabis expecting they'd be able to sell it legally in New York State, and even before them in the last few years, a lot of people who grew a lot of hemp because they heard um, the hemp cheerleaders uh, extolling the virtues of hemp. And it, the truth is, I guess the bad thing about growing anything, and this is true of corn or wheat or rice, or hemp, or cannabis. Ultimately, you're taking a gamble, and 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 obviously you're taking a very big gamble for things that are uh, part of an emerging market like hemp or cannabis, where you don't have a track record. It's it's tough enough for people in agriculture who are growing stuff that you know there will always generally be a market for as I said, corn and wheat, for example. But even then, you never know what the demand will be. And then you also have to put up with the um, the vagaries of weather and, you know, sometimes other things that, that inter interfere with um, with crops. So I guess because the bottom, bottom line is if you're going to be in any aspect of agriculture, it's always a gamble. It is sad in my estimation, that a lot of people here in New York State, when they grew hemp over the last few years, or more recently, cannabis, uh, really feel they were let down for a number of reasons. They thought that these fields were were going to be um, almost like 
cash machines and it didn't it didn't work out that way. Now, long term, if you look ahead, maybe to five years from now or ten years from now, maybe maybe once New York State gets its ducks in a row and actually has a, a, a working system, especially for cannabis regulation, sort of the same way that um, liquor stores are are regulated now, maybe then it will become lucrative. But by then, when it becomes really lucrative, you can bet most of the people making the money will be giant corporations. But with, uh, yeah, you talked about growing um, with agriculture, but, you know, with the weed, most of it, a good percentage of it is certainly grown indoors where you know, you're not going to have that problem. And uh, right. to add insult to injury, just, you know, leave it to New York state. A couple months ago, they threw an injunction in there. Now, um, it was led by, um, and, and I respect them. These dis- disabled vets should have been able to get in, in there, um, also and stuff, but you know, you can't, you can't cater to everybody. I mean, you know, that's what the law was for. It was like, you know, we gave the casinos to the Native Americans. and um, But it's the rollout has just been just disgusting. And now they got this thrown in there and this is this is being this is being held up. And um, but, you know, what it all comes down to, choose the pun. But, you know, it's you're not going to stop this THC. It's it's the human condition. It's ever since time immemorial. We've been, you know, drinking wine or betting my horse is faster than your horse, you know, whatever. And it's it's been happening for for forever. But um, um I don't see um, it, it, it. What bothers me so much is that the how they let these sticker stores get in there. And well, that, that's typical, yeah. though. That's typical. Typical how of New York State not knowing oh, how to regulate yeah. anything correctly. Yes, yeah. It's yes, it, yes. New York State first. New York State, no matter what the business is, existing businesses or emerging businesses, New York State is probably going to be, if not the leader, one of the biggest leaders in onerous regulations. Anybody who has a business tells me that the regulations that are imposed by New York State make life difficult. Running a business of any type, of any size, is tough enough. And then when you include local, state, and federal regulations, it's a wonder anything, anything survives in this country. Because, because, and then... Once they come up with the regulations, then when they're not properly enforced, I mean, it's bad enough. You put all the regulations on the books and then, say, for the sticker shops, you know, have some sort of loophole. And it didn't take. Now, somebody in Albany that was writing the legislation about legalizing uh, cannabis and having uh, cannabis shops across the state. Somebody who wrote that legislation certainly wrote it that way, knowing full well they're leaving a loophole in it. And I don't know who was responsible, but as they say, they they should have known better. And then that's why we still have an incredible mess on our hands. And it's probably going to take years to clean up. 
that loophole was still still so ambiguous. I mean, I don't. I, I know, don't. but but again, you know. So if I drive down Glenwood Avenue and the guy at the sticker shop is laughing when I come in, talking about what right, he's selling right, and saying, "Oh yeah, the cops come in here all the time," and I know it wasn't up to the Binghamton cops. This was a statewide issue. So what, you know, what was the state or what was? say, Binghamton Police or Johnson City or Endicott or Vestal Police, what were they supposed to do when the problem, they didn't create the problem, and then ultimately these these little shops would spring up. And on the one hand, even though I don't think they should have been doing it, I do admire them because they were entrepreneurs. The state left that loophole in there and then didn't do much on uh, to go after most of the um, of the businesses, so appreciate your call. Coming up, we'll talk about a new mural that you may have noticed here in downtown Binghamton. We have the details, the story behind the story. Coming up next on our Monday program, I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF ninety two point one FM twelve ninety AM, streaming at WNBF.com. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. WNBF on a Monday morning. This is Bob Joseph. Now it's the art and culture portion of our program. Yes, or ordinarily we're not allowed to do it, but I got permission from public media to do an art and cultural segment. We're joined now by Margot Datz, who joins us by phone. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you this morning? Martha's Vineyard? I live on Martha's Vineyard, and uh, I'm in my studio. Wow. Sounds nice. We're in a studio. Uh, uh, Tom Haynes, your partner, here, is here in our Binghamton studio, so we're going to have a, a segment, and we're going to talk about... I know it's surprising that we can talk about art and culture on commercial radio, but that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. Good. Tom, Tom Haynes, good morning. Welcome back to our studio. Good morning, Bob. Great to be back. Yeah, it's great to have both of you with us, uh, including, yeah, it's a nice, we, we have a few different things to talk about. And the first thing is uh, a mural that was um, uh, done here downtown on the side of Chris's Diner, just about a block or so from our radio station. And Tom and Margot, I'll have you uh, each tell us a little bit of the background about how uh, how the idea for the mural came to be, and and then sort of the process that uh, that made it happen during the month of September. Go ahead, sweetie. Well, thanks. Um, 
We uh, submitted a mural idea to the um, I District's Public Arts Program, which was funded by the New York Upstate Revitalization Initiative and the Transform Greater Binghamton, uh, a grant from them. And we worked with Stephanie Brewer and uh, created what we thought was uh, something that, that celebrated the presence of the Greek community within Binghamton. Binghamton seems to be such a wonderfully diverse city. And Tom uh, Tom has a building up on State Street. And right next door is the iconic uh, Greek diner of Chris's Diner. And we approached uh, them to see if we could use their wall for a mural that uh, bespoke of uh, the Greek dining experience and we lifted all of the designs from uh, we were inspired by the designs from Greek amphoras in antiquity and I I just happened to be walking by Chris's diner I think it was on a Friday afternoon and I saw I just happened to notice for some reason I think I probably had driven Past there a, a couple of times while you're working, but till I walked past, I didn't really pay attention, and we wound up having a, a conversation and and learning more, and ultimately that's that's what led to uh, having this segment this morning. And you were just how many days were you actually uh, working and and painting the the beautiful mural on the side of Chris's diner on State Street? Well, I think. Uh over two weeks, Tom, right? Yeah, a little more than uh, two weeks. Yeah. A little more than two weeks, but good long days, seven days a week. And you had to put up with weather. I think oh, that, <laughs> it was wicked weather. Yes. Yeah, yeah we, we had a brief conversation because around here, if you're trying to do murals, as a lot of artists have discovered over the last few years, you have to be flexible. You might wind up with two or three really nice days, and then you could also wind up with two or three days that are certainly not not conducive to be, to be doing any outdoor artwork. Well, the funny thing on that is, you know, I've I've done for thirty years. I've done the buildings downtown, and I talked to Josh B. nine years ago, who obviously does Luma, and he asked me, "What's the weather like in September?" And I said. It's great. It's the best. It's the best <laughs> weather. It never rains, except I said, except unless there's a hurricane. Of course, we got the hurricane. We got the ninety degree weather. We had the. Uh, we broke down one time, the day before, the Luma and the, the water. The, the wind was fifty miles an hour, horizontally going up State Street and tearing stuff off, damaged one of the projectors. Anyway, it, it was it was it was tough. That was. Uh, it was interesting. You know, we just had to be flexible, as you say. Well, and that's that's the reality, whether you put down uh, put on any events or doing any kind of art or anything else outdoors. Absolutely. Uh, flexibility is crucial, and do the best you can, but you always have to be ready to, to take steps to protect what you've done so far and also protect right. valuable equipment. Yeah. Well, it, it, most of the time when we painted... It was dry almost immediately, and the 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 one thing I just talked about, I I assumed it would be washed off. This was fairly early, like the third day we were into the mural, and 
I went after the rain and I looked at it. I'm like, this is amazing. Nothing washed off, nothing. So um, that was when it was so hot. There was other days when it was cool and rainy. We did a little tiny bit of work towards the bottom. That washed off. But other than that, we dealt with it and we got it done. So, and I think it looks beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, I like to think right. of it. I, I, we're both proud of it. And um, I like to think of it as the 4,000-year-old Greek diner, you know. There it is. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Went to look at it that way, and and certainly Chris's diner has been such a fixture here in downtown Binghamton. It's one of those one of those businesses that um, people love. I mean, yeah. I've known known so many people over the years, and they say it's it's nice just to to pop in. It has such a, a nice cozy feel, and yeah. just the fact that familiar faces, people who work at the diner, as well as people who gather at the diner. And it's sort of one of those businesses, to use the cliche, where ultimately everyone knows your name. Really. Uh, And they are the nicest family. They're the best neighbors. They've been, I've been down at Atomic Tom's for 23 years, and he's been nothing but helpful. So when I approached him with this idea, he and Nikki, his wife, and the kids, uh, they were looking at me like, hmm, okay, well, this sounds interesting. But they didn't really know what to expect. And once, once we did even the first vignette, uh, Pete, one of the sons, came out. He goes, this is, this is unbelievable. This is beautiful. So, and they, they like it, and they love it, really. And that, to me, if they were the only people that loved it, we'd be happy. Yeah. But then we've, we've really been getting a lot, a lot of positive feedback people just going oh this is great so it's beautiful it really enhances our our neighborhood here and and certainly i'm i'm seeing more more and more uh, being done as as the city advances it its deco district project you know celebrating the arts um of course it was uh i don't need to tell you tom uh with the reconstruction of that block of state street that was um, tough it was tough yeah and you know that unfortunately I, and I talk to uh, a lot of business operators who, inevitably, you feel frustrated while it's going on because you think, will there ever be an end in sight? Well, yeah. now yeah. That, that, that the infrastructure, the stuff under the ground, as well as the pavement and sidewalks and uh, an elevated crosswalk and some of the other things that have been completed, we, we finally can, can celebrate this portion of the project. It's a beautiful street now. It really is. It's it's gorgeous. And there's also have been some even new enhancements with um, the the painting of the specialized uh, crosswalks here at uh, yeah. at State and Henry. And I yeah. know I'm not sure if they ever got done over at State and Lewis. They I, did. Did they? Yeah. Okay. I knew they were getting close, and they think they had to stop because the weather at one <laughs> point. You, you know, again, you can't you can't can put down. <laughs> yeah. But again, flexibility is the key. Now. Coming up, and it won't be long now, for uh, November's first Friday, the, the mural will be celebrated. And, and, Tom, people will be also able to uh, see some of your original paintings. So both both you, Tom, and Margot have uh, have something that people will be able to enjoy on November 3rd for first Friday. Yeah, it's, it, it's paintings. I'm, ha- I'm having a show of my paintings that I have done four different trips down in the Caribbean. And uh, that's a, from 6 to 9. But at 5 o'clock, because we have to have the sun still out so we have light, we're going to celebrate the mural in Chris's parking lot. And uh, anyone who wants to come down, certainly 
uh, it'd be great. I'd love to see a, a really big crowd. And um, and then come to my show if you want. It's just, it's it's a really good scene on the street. Like I have Anthony Brunelli's studio, our gallery is a door away. And Raz Salati's is up the street, two doors away. And then across the street is Binghamton Community, or uh, Broome County Council of the Arts. And they have a beautiful spot. Everybody's got a beautiful spot. Uh, and, and terrific restaurants. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And cooperative gallery. Um, and then a new gallery just popped up last month. I'm assuming that'll be open um, next to cooperative by uh, Giovanni Pesci, I, th- I believe, is the, the owner. So just in the art, you know, coming down for that. But also in my on my other side, I have the event space on my other side of my building, Atomic Tom's. John Kanazwich and friends, for free, do music. It's, it's just like, who's going to show up? And it's always interesting. It's always good. So that's that's a nice scene. It's just it's 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 just a really good scene on, yeah. on First Friday. So well, it's nice nice to have um, a vibrant arts and culture scene yeah. here in downtown Binghamton, yeah. and it's it's existed for quite a while and i see a lot of elements that actually just in in the last couple of years have um have come together oh, n- very nicely i agree I, uh the bundy for one yes wonderful wonderful they're part of first friday and roberson of course they're part of first friday i'm not aware of anything else but they're there's probably other stuff out here too. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. It's it's hard to be all inclusive. I think we've we've touched on some yeah. of the the highlights, but of course there there are certainly some that we've omitted. Margot, one thing is this is the public service portion of our interview, <laughs> which could actually potentially save lives. I mean, we, we've talked about art and painting here yeah. in Binghamton. You you had. An unexpected experience. Well, you were still in Binghamton. Tell our listeners what happened and what they, uh, what lesson they might learn from from your experience when when you were here. I, I'll call it a close call. Yes, it was a close call, Bob. Um, you know, being a mural painter isn't like sitting quietly in your studio. It's it's fraught with adventure and. We were uh, ending our work day, and we brought down the scissor lift, and we were packing things away because we were scurrying around to have um, a dinner with a retired local doctor. As we were painting on the wall, there were often visits by bees, and it was hot work, and, you know, we were uh, hydrating. So as as we were tearing everything down, I hastily uh, drank down the last of my coconut water, and I noticed there were some particles or something that I spit out, thinking they were little pieces of paint or something, when in fact they were yellow jackets that had flown into my can. And I was stung on my tongue and my inner cheek. Um, <laughs> fortunately, I called... Uh, our future host and he said don't come to dinner go directly to the emergency room and what I was experiencing was an allergic reaction due to the location of this thing if you get stung in your mouth um, it the chances of you getting a blocked breathing passage are very high so it was UHS uh, 
in Binghamton that just instantly took care of the crisis. They, so were, you got, they were fantastic. So you got to the uh, Binghamton General Hospital emergency room yep. right away. Within five minutes. Thank you very yep. much, Tom. Yep. Yeah, we were across uh, the, the, the river, basically. Yep. It's, like, it's right here. Zip right over, yeah. Yeah. We zipped right over. I got great care. Uh, I was back in the saddle the next morning, but it could have gone in a very different direction. And what I heard from several different doctors is this is commonplace. Bees fly into opened beverages when you're outside. And that it's really important for you to pour your, your, don't just drink straight from the can, pour it into a glass, see what's, if, in fact, uh, any bees got in. And it's especially virulent for small children. So if you, if you have a picnic or a cookout and you have canned beverages, it's a good idea to provide glasses uh, to pour those beverages into, lest you go <laughs> the way yeah. that I did and oh, drink down a couple of them. That's scary. And I've heard people warn me sometimes in the past, especially around this time of year. I, I know it seems um, in late summer when bees seem to be really active, typically yeah. September um, mm-hmm. into early October. And sometimes I've been having a, a little picnic lunch with friends, say, at Highland Park and Endwell or Round Top and Endicott. The bees are flying around and I'm kind of paying attention. And they say, be careful. I think a bee went into your can of moxie. Pardon the expression. Yeah. I drink that moxie <laughs> stuff, and you know, there's no no excuse for it. It's just something that I I, I learned about from a friend in the state of Maine, and um, but at least typically, typically I I almost always do pour whatever I'm drinking into into a glass. And now I'm going to make sure I always do that based on based yeah. on your experience here in Binghamton. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing this because I found out it's much more commonplace than one would imagine. Yeah. And Richard Stram, who's the, the doctor, we were going to go to his place in Aquaga. Um, he said he's on a mission all the time. <laughs> he's well, like, I tell everybody all yeah. the time, you, well, you got to watch it. After I heard about about this episode, I wanted to make sure we included it in Great the idea. segment. And Great idea. As I told uh, Margot, uh, last week when we were chatting to uh, schedule this segment, I said, hey, if we save one life or even even spare the agony, it's yeah. not necessarily yeah. that somebody will die, but who wants to go through what you did and have to rush to an emergency room under those circumstances? Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, and by right. the way, even- uh, oh, they were tremendous at the hospital. They They were not good. They were great. You know, they were really on it. Uh, well, it's great to hear, yeah. it, and that qualifies as an unsolicited testimonial. It's not set up, you know, <laughs> yeah. sponsored by the UHS Foundation. It's right. it's two people talking about yeah. their actual experience. Oh, they were great. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I really look forward to coming back from Martha's Vineyard and having this party on November third, and I hope that everybody will join us in all this yeah. creativity and happiness. Well, Margot Datz and Tom Haynes, thank you so much for uh, enlightening us with uh, some of the uh, artistic work that is uh, now available here in downtown Binghamton and also with um, the important public service announcement to be careful about bees. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Bob. Yes. 
Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you. It's 1144. This is Monday Morning Live with Bob Joseph on WNBF. with Bob Joseph, WNBF. Vinny and Binghamton, you're on the air. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, you know, Bob, I wanted to, to talk about this weekend and uh, something that I recognized was um, the different forms that evilness takes in the world. I'm watching our media cover what's going on in Israel. I watched uh, Alan Dershowitz and Cornell West debate. I've been watching how North Korea now wants to help Russia with uh, nuclear, you know, all kinds of all kinds of stuff, basically to help them in Ukraine. And uh, you know, I'm sitting there talking with friends. I said, "Geez, I want. What do you think? Is there really a difference between Hamas and Vladimir Putin?" Um, and if you look at it, look how many people he's killed already in Ukraine. How many, how many kids, children, has he kidnapped? And I'm thinking, well, is the difference in evilness? Is it his skin complexion? Is his white shirt and tie and he wears a suit? What difference is he from Hamas? And one of the things that I noticed during the debate with Alan Dershowitz and Cornell West, and I wouldn't say evil because Cornell West was talking about humanity. Alan Dershowitz was saying something else. But, you know, you must realize that just like the Palestinians, the Israelis inside, there is a radical right that doesn't want peace. They don't want it. I was reading an article on Jimmy Carter. He's been trying for 30 years for peace over there. There are those that are inside both parts. They don't want it. They do not want two separate things. They don't want it. One side or both sides want the other one, get out. We want this. And that's, it's not being said. I'm, I'm looking at Vladimir Putin and he's like, well, what about Vladimir Putin? This is a guy, remember the, um, the general, was it Wagner? I don't think that was his name. But remember, he was going against Russia and he was going to go on to Moscow. Next thing you know, they call it off. Next thing you know, he's on a plane and that blows up. Yeah. What about, what about the, the guy that ran against him? He got shot on a bridge. But you see, it's, it's, it's gentle on the eyes. So evilness takes different forms. And it's getting worse because the lines are being blurred. I read an article on Jimmy Carter. You can, you can Google this. It's Jimmy Carter. I could have wiped Iran off the map. And it shows him. He's talking. He's like, I could have wiped him. We had the, he's there, but you know why I couldn't? Because too many innocent lives would have been sacrificed. I couldn't do it. I could have won the presidency. You know, you could have had a ticker tape parade for me, but I couldn't do it because of my moral conviction. And that's, no, that's what's going Jimmy on Carter. Right now. I don't know. Yeah. Um, in our lifetime, I'm not sure that we ever had a president quite like Jimmy Carter. And the way things are going in this country, I doubt we ever will. 
yeah. again because that that type of uh, thought uh, with trying to protect so many innocent people, I'm not sure that factors in to uh, the equations that that many people are are assessing in in connection with our foreign policy anymore. So thank you for pointing that out. I guess he made those comments uh, in an interview on CNBC. I'll have to uh, play the interview at some point. Thank you for that. I always learn something on this program, including a few things I miss. So Jimmy Carter, yeah, actually humanity actually works. Oh, and I see, and I didn't realize this was not a new interview. This is an interview that, that went back to 2014, but I'll have to dig it up. I will dig it up at some point. Maybe I'll finally get around to hearing President Jimmy Carter, what he was uh, talking about on the occasion of his 90th birthday about nine years ago. It's 11.52. This is Bob Joseph live on a Monday morning on WNBF. You're listening to Binghamton Now on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, streaming at WNBF.com. Jordan could, in fact, become the next Speaker of the House. Again, the Flash apparently official, according to CNN News, Jim Jordan is picking up key holdouts in his bid for Speakership. So it's looking like our long national nightmare of a House without a Speaker uh, could come to an end. I believe... I believe they're expecting, the Republicans are expecting to schedule a vote in the House, uh, the next speaker, tomorrow. Might be tomorrow at noon. I can't remember if the vote is supposed to be tomorrow at noon or tomorrow at 10 a.m. Anyway, uh, we could finally get a speaker. And so I know it's premature for me to congratulate Jim Jordan, according to CNN News, House GOP says some members are ready to block. Uh, Jim Jordan is still pressing for a Tuesday floor vote, so maybe we'll find out in the next 24 hours or so if he can really pull this off. Uh, could be at some point that the Republicans in the House, even those who find Jim Jordan and his overall worldview, including some of his friends, distasteful, they may finally decide, well, it's distasteful, but we need to have a speaker. We can't be in this position of not having the House of Representatives able to act on important business. So 
even even people who have been slow to support Jim Jordan might finally say, eh, eh, how bad could it be? Which is kind of sad, but it might come down to that tomorrow. We'll see what happens. We'll be following developments on that. And, of course, local news. Stay tuned to WNBF for local news on the air and pay attention to our website for some local news at WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph. Looks like the week is off to a good start. I'll be back tomorrow morning right here on News Radio, WNBF and WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media station.